Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today we're going to talk all things women's tennis, break down the week that was in the WTA, talk about some of the tournaments to come, and we have a guest, it's someone you guys know, and we'll get to him in a second, but first, joining me, almost as always, I think you've only missed one, maybe two podcasts, I think Jorge and I did one by ourselves together, and it was just weird spread, I, you know, I need to hear that deep, sultry tone on the other end, end of the line. How are things in Sacramento this morning? What flavor rock star do we have? And have we mixed it with Gatorade? No, no Gatorade this morning. I actually got a carbonated one. It's a little grape with a fake energy flavor. But I told Snize that in an effort to be more healthy, I'm going to try and transition to coffee. So I'll keep you guys updated on the, on the upcoming podcast because I know that everybody wants to know how that's going. They do. It's something I track regularly. I always like to hear what you're drinking because it's mostly nonsense. <laughs> How about no caffeine spread? How about just get up to have a couple glasses of water? You'll be fine. You don't need it. It's I was okay. reading that it's bad that I do that. I should wait at least an hour to have it because of my cortisol levels, but I don't really know what cortisol is. So, uh, But I will be working Isn't that a cream that, so. you put on itches? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe Snice knows. But joining us um, on the podcast for the first time, you've seen him on the scope a couple times, our good buddy all the way from Sweden. Uh, Snice, do you know what cortisol is? Um, I probably do, but right now I'm blacking. We'll call it the nerves. <laughs> it's okay. I like to throw stuff at you guys that you're not ready for. Um, I'm actually looking forward to getting into the Leon thing a little bit. But, um, you know, since Nice were here and um, maybe there are a couple people that haven't seen you on the scope, if you could maybe give us a little bit about your background. We'd love to, you know, learn about kind of what your connection to tennis is. Did you play it growing up? Did you watch it a lot as a kid? And then, you know, kind of how you got into betting and, um, if you want to talk a little bit about some of your work you do for SBR. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, as you know by now, I'm all the way from uh, I'm from Sweden. That's actually not my origins. I'm, I'm half Jamaican, half German, uh, born in London and somehow ended up here. Uh, got into tennis when I was pretty young. Uh, did all things sports when I grew up and uh, I was playing soccer and tennis, both aiming to go pro. I went with soccer in the end, but uh, as I uh, got older, got back into tennis. Been watching the sport since I was a kid, never really stopped. And, uh, you know, once I started realizing that I wanted to do something uh, entrepreneurial for myself, uh, the opportunity to bat opened up, and uh, naturally I started batting tennis. Uh, and I also do uh, written previews and uh, articles, uh, videos, live shows for uh, SBR. Uh, so, so you can probably find some of my content over there and uh, obviously on Twitter. So uh, love to be in this world. It's great. We love talking with you. Obviously, it's a lot of fun being on the scope spread. Did you have any questions for the young man before we jump into tennis? No, I'm really excited to break it down with him. I've actually got a bunch of um, messages and positive reviews about his contributions to the scope and to the podcast. So I'm glad that he's here with us today. I think it's really exciting. People are already messaging you about the podcast? Is there people listening to this? No, no, no. For the Periscopes, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just messing. All right. Now, keeping things positive, we had the final in Acapulco. Um, Heather Watson, I think, beat Layla Fernandez. I'm all messed up. But Snice, even more important, you beat Jorge in a bet. Break it down for the folks. How does it feel? Uh, this is absolutely, you, you know, you, you, you got that high. Uh, it's, you know, when you win a real sweaty bet or when you confess to the love of your life and you're engaged uh, and just everything is at its apex. You are 
living the dream. That that's how it feels like when you beat Jorge in a head to head, and he, both me and him, we were so adamant to defend our sides. There was a massive disagreement, spanned a wall of text, uh, and I got out on top. Uh, as predicted, experience did lead the way. Leila Fernandez though got a cap at two hurt. Has had a fantastic week. Has so much upside. Great point construction. Fantastic tennis IQ. Uh, very good defender angles well she has a, a monster ceiling so it'll be very interesting to follow the young canadian in the future uh, but she did show nerves at the start uh, heather watson capitalized on that took the first set 6-4 after some uh, failure to close it out earlier uh, in the second set she stormed to a 2-0 lead could have taken a 3-0 lead uh, but squandered the break point got broken for 40 love up and from there on it was very competitive as she dropped off while layla raised her level uh eventually after saving four set points we got wound up in a tiebreak. uh watson was 6-2 up had four championship points could not convert uh and then failed to convert on another one and uh to my great displeasure failed to close it out in straight sets as i had a plus 225 ticket on mm. uh but eventually she buckled down uh and got over the line uh, against a fairly tired Leila Fernandez, so, so she complained to her coach uh, in the sit-down anyways, and got it done 6-1 for the very impressive head-to-head victory. Spread, what do you think? Did you get to watch any of that one? Yeah, it was a great match, and I think Snye summed it up uh, pretty well, so I'll just throw like a little opinion-based uh, in there. You know, I heard him talk about the ceiling, and I think that's very interesting here because I thought that Heather Watson pretty much played to her ceiling this week. I mean, I think this is pretty much the best that you can expect from her at this point of her career, and that is basically um, taking advantage of, uh, you know, a little bit of a weaker field, and then, you know, maybe a young player that was, uh, you know, a little surprised to be on this stage. Um, so interesting to see going forward, you know, this is kind of what I expect, that Watson can can win these lower tournaments and never be a, a real top contender on the WTA, but I'm sure, that, you know, the Brits are excited. I know how they love their players, and, and it's good to see her be successful. But then when you talk about the ceiling of um, Layla Fernandez, I mean, it's just through the roof, right? I mean, I, I think that if I, I'd be conservative if I said, right, top 20 potential. I um, was really impressed with her game, and, and you know, so I expect to see her a lot uh, a lot in the future and a lot more maybe than, than Watson. But uh, a great tournament for her overall, and I know that, boy, the Canadians must be so excited about their tennis. This is just another one. Um, jumping on the scene. Um, so it was, it was a fun tournament overall, I thought. Yeah, if only we could get a Canadian on to talk about her. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I, I'll have some connections. I'll try and, I'll try and hook, it, hook it up. All right, we'll see if we can find a Canadian that talks about tennis. Um, you know, Jumping into the other final, I actually got to watch this one. Um, it was a lot of fun. Sabalenka looked really, really great. And Spread, I know you feel a little differently. But I, my big takeaway was it didn't seem that the Kvitova looked right to me. She had a lot of trouble, I think, with her footwork. Her feet looked slow to me and, and just could not get a forehand and, and keep it in. But you seem to, to see something maybe a little different. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I just thought it was the pace that Sabalenka hits her balls that made her look slow because, you know, she's just so used to having the match on her racket, um, dictating pace. Um, and I think it really, you know, threw her off, you know, in a subtle way, just, you know, Having to be a split second quicker, you know, ha- you know, having the ball come back harder than she hits it, and I just don't think she was used to it. And I mean, it's tough to prepare for, you know. Uh, we talk, you know, in other sports about you know preparing for guys that are ultra fast, and you can't even find a guy that's 
uh, that fast. You know, I mean, she's got to get a, a guy out there hitting with her to prepare for Sabalenka because um, she just dials it up so much. And I really, I didn't downgrade from Petra's performance at all. Um, as, you know, I lamented in the chat, you know, I had put a pretty nice little wager on the uh, top half that we talked about last week. And going into the semis, I felt really smart, right? I'm saying, okay, I got either Ash Barty or Petra Kvitova against Kuznetsova or Sabalenka, you know, and I thought that, um, you know, I might even be able to come back. I thought that Sabalenka would be a bigger dog than she was. But in this case, uh, the bookmakers and the odds makers were right, you know, lining it even. And uh, Sabalenka played great. I, I don't really downgrade Petra at all. And, and I really thought that it was a good performance from her. And I'll be interested to see how she follows it up because she's done this before, right, where we think, oh, my gosh, this is so great. She's about to break out. You know, top five, here we come. And then she'll follow it up with a couple – uh, less than stellar performances. So uh, I really gave Sabalenka a lot of credit, and I'd like to definitely hear what you guys think about uh, her prospects moving forward and what this win really means. Uh, you know, as the the big Sabalenka fan, of course, you know, what I saw this week was uh, her top-end potential and, you know, at the same time, a lot of what we worry about. She, at certain points this week, played tennis that, that was so good, I think she could have beaten anybody at any point, no matter how good that they were playing. And at other times was just a mess. Um, and it's nice. I know that you had kind of a rough week um, betting on her, betting against her, getting involved in some of those Sabalenka matches. So, um, you know, what was the feeling that you were left with at the end of the week about her performance? Again, impressive that she won the title, but I know that uh, you personally felt a lot of those ups and downs maybe more than the rest of us. Yeah, I'd say it's just frustratingly consistent. It's usually not what you see from Sabalenka. Like you said, she has the talent and ability to beat anyone on tour when she is on her game. But the problem is she is not often enough on that game. She can get uh, jangled up. She can get nervous. She can get bothered by the wind. And she can just go astray for no apparent reason. And uh, that's part of the reason... Uh, that makes her so hard to cap, makes it so hard to know when she's on, when uh, you're going to bet on her, when you're going to go against her. So it's just a player I, I personally have difficulty getting a grasp on. But this week, uh, she plays some fantastic tennis, and uh, if she can keep this kind of tennis up, she's easily going to enter the top 10, top 5, and uh, maybe even be uh, a contender for a, a Grand Slam tournament. We'll see. Yeah, with Grand Slams, it, it's tough. Um being that inconsistent, I mean, to win a Grand Slam, you have to play two weeks of great tennis. Now, there's some luck involved. You know, maybe you get some good matchups along the way. You don't necessarily have to be peak for two weeks, but you have to be consistent. You have to be playing well, and that is what Sabalenka really struggles with. But in general, I thought she looked really good this week, and, you know, I continue to love watching her play because of those ups and downs, you know, watching her go through all that and how she's able to attack it and contain that power and that energy and um, just a lot of fun. So a good title for her. I continue to just be really excited about her. Um, anything else, gentlemen, uh, on Doha? Yeah, there's a couple women I want to talk about and get your opinions on. I guess I'll just do it one at a time real quick. Um, the first one is I think that we need to talk about Elena Rybakina. You know, she played well, and then just, just instead of taking the loss, um, went ahead and, and, and just pulled out of the tournament, which was smart. A lot of us were surprised that she's even been playing so much lately. Uh, but, boy, I was really excited about the way that she played and, and you know, overcoming a tough match uh, against AVU there before she pulled out. Um, are we all on the same page that, that we're going to be looking to back her a lot going forward? I am. Um, she continues to just 
play fantastic tennis. And you know, we always talk about, you know, people's physical strength and athletic gifts. But I think we always kind of come back to the same idea that the really the most important thing is about, you know, what's between your ears. And she really just has all the mental toughness and focus you'd want out of a player. Um, just an incredible couple weeks, I guess, month and a half, really, at this point, almost two months of tennis for her. Um, just really excited to continue to back her. We were excited about her last year. Uh, and, you know, I see no reason to be pessimistic. Um, you know, we'll see how she does coming back into the next tournament. I'm sure it's tough playing all that tennis like that, then maybe taking some time off and coming back. So um, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, again, she survived four or five long weeks in a row. So I continue to be really optimistic. How about you, Snice? Yeah, Alima Rubikina has been one of the media rises on tour. She wasn't even in uh, the top 100 uh, starting uh, last year, but she's just surged through the rankings playing some fantastic tennis she has the huge serve and the crackling ground strokes from both sides but she does have a deft touch can approach the net she can drop drop shots uh and she has a very very strong inner game very very mentally tough as uh kind of is uh the brand for someone uh, who's born in Russia, uh, you kind of expect them to be mentally tough. Uh, and she's really been kind of mirroring the Medvedev run, the Medvedevian massacre during last year's summer over on, on the men's side where he went to six straight finals. And she just does not seem to run out of gas. I've, we've been expecting her to, to kind of drop down and just disease that one point. But she's just been going, 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 went to the final in four out of the starting five tournaments of the season. And uh, just been amazing. I just want to talk a little bit about her coach, though. Uh, she has a really good coach, Stefano Vukov. She credits her success and her rise through the rankings to him. And it's easy to see why. He's a really intelligent guy. Uh, he asks her uh, questions mid-sit-downs uh, when, uh, when she calls for a coach. Gives her constructive ways to, to both think on her own and... Uh, you know understand what's going on in the game and what she needs to do so it's a really nice partnership they have going there so i was really uh, intrigued to listen to him one of the good things about uh, wta and encore coaching is getting to explore these relationships so, but yeah ribakina i think she's close to the top 10 now definitely going to enter the top 10 this season uh and yeah great things are coming for her all right spread who else you got all right, the next one I want to talk about, and we t touched on it briefly, but I think it's a great discussion for the pod. And it was while we were in our prep, and I was patting myself on the back for the Owns Jabor pick. And, and basically, you know, I was really excited about her performance this week. Uh, I really like the variety in her game. I like how she can attack and defend. And, and I think that for an attacking player, she uses slice really well. Um, you know, uh, almost like Barty in her ability to, to use it, not just to defend. Um, to attack but you made a good point that you know maybe I shouldn't pat myself on the back because you know as she you know kind of hurt herself uh, later in the tournament and that was factored into the price uh, I actually completely agree with you now you know now that you pointed that out and maybe uh, you know got a little too excited congratulating myself for, for thinking that I'd seen the draw correctly um, but wanted to definitely bring that point up as because I'm going to be looking to back her going forward um but, yeah, you definitely make a good point about her uh, not always being able to finish tournaments. So what do you guys think about should I be really looking to keep, keep circling and, and backing Jabor here? Or do you think that I'm, it's kind of a fool's errand chasing those long shot uh, big money outrights? 
You know, like anything, it depends on the price at the time and what the draw looks like. But I think maybe the bigger lesson and the bigger point here is as part of your handicap, when you're looking at the draw, it's not just about whether player X is better than player ABC and they can make it to the draw with a tournament. It's about can they play a week of tennis? Can their body hold up? Can their brain hold up? Can they have that kind of consistency? Again, kind of like I was talking about with Sabalenka, it's tough to trust her in slams because it's tough to trust her to put two whole weeks together. But for a lot of these players, and, and Jabor is someone that we love. We talk about her all the time. We bet her on her a lot, especially as a big dog against some of these better players. Um, I think just about all of us were on her in some way against Pliskova. And just a really great spot for her. But as you look at her over and over and over again, time and time again, she just breaks down. I mean, the the... Most famous example, I think it was not last year, but the year before in Moscow in that final against Kasatkina. I mean, they're playing one of the best matches you know you probably have ever seen up until about halfway through the third set, and she just pulled a hamstring, and that was it. Um, I think it was a hamstring, maybe it was a knee thing, not exactly sure, but all of a sudden she went from moving around the court playing this beautiful inspired tennis to not even really be able to stand. It. I mean, she was just weeping on court trying to serve out, um, so she didn't have to retire or withdraw. Um, you know, just to try to keep the match going so she could possibly win. And, you know, I, I love her for that grit. But when you're looking at players, really think about that. You know, what did they look like last week? You know, Kvitova was a good example. She did make it all the way to the final. But, you know, kind of like we talked about, maybe she was sick. Maybe she was carrying some sort of illness in there. It's it's tough. You know, she's coming off, stuff like that. You have to think about all those angles and, and make sure that you're considering that. So, you know, you don't have to back completely off taking Jabor, but... You know, maybe, like you said, spread that 50 to 1, although it looked nice at first. Maybe you didn't take into in, into account that much, and maybe the market does. Um, what are your thoughts, Nice? Yeah, I think that Ons Jibur is uh, one of the most uh, mentally gifted players on tour. And by saying that, I mean that she has one of the best tennis brains uh, on the WTA tour. Her uh, tennis IQ is absurdly high. She always seems to hit the right shot at the right time, has fantastic variety to her game. She has both power and touch, uh, has a very, very effective first serve for her short sta shorter stature, uh, and she's just an overall joy to play tennis. But uh, what's been holding her back, we've jokingly talked about this, what if we, what if we place her in another uh, female player's body, like uh, Sloan Stevens or something? Because th that physicality, that, that lack of athleticism is what's been uh, holding her back a little bit. She's worked a lot on strength and, strength and conditioning over the off season, uh, and she, so she has improved a lot uh, already this year. We've seen that, uh, but she still needs more in order to uh, be able to go deep in tournaments and to compete with the very, very best over an extended amount of time. And I love the Sloan comparison because that's a player that she reminds me of in her ability um, to either be an attacker or a defender depending on what the match calls for. Now, obviously, we haven't seen it recently, but when Sloan was at her best, you know, in, in 2018, when we were really, really excited about her long-term prospects, you know, to be a great tennis player, uh, that was what stood out to me the most, was that she could be a defender one match or even one set or, you know, and then switch to offense immediately when it was needed. And I think Jabor has some of those same qualities. Yeah, got to love her game. But again, from an outright perspective, I think the big lesson from this week and, and kind of what you experienced, Brett, was, you know, don't just look at the matchups and the players. Think about the context. Think about what you really need to win a tournament. It's tough. Um, any other names that you wanted to cover? Yeah, Brett? last one. And since this is taking longer than I thought, I won't even give an opinion. I just want your guys' opinion. 
how do we rate Kuznetsova going forward? Because I thought she looked pretty good. I was actually surprised I was against her against Fiontek. And, and she played pretty well. I mean, even against the match against Sabalenka, I really thought that Sabalenka played great. I didn't really think that Kuznetsova played that bad. Um, what do you guys think? Should we be upgrading her? Because I didn't really have her rated that highly going into this year. Uh, I think you have to give her a lot of respect. Uh, she's come down, uh, come back from uh, that terrible knee injury uh, in a great manner, and she's shown that uh, the Viley veteran still can compete at the very highest level. Uh, she obviously still has the legs, she still has the weapons, and she has the brain to be able to uh, uh, exploit any of the younger players, any of the players who are not on their game, and even if they are, she does still have the tools to, uh, to take them out. So she's one for me. Uh, I did consider her outright this week uh, because she is uh, a master of taking advantage of these uh, exploitable draws where we have top seeds in poor form. We have a couple of younger players because she's an expert at taking those down. So anytime you get Kuznetsova at a high price in a draw that looks kind of open, that she's definitely worth a look. It's tough for me. I, I think that I need to go back and maybe look at some things. You know, the way that I, I tend to handicap tennis, again, is largely from a data perspective. And there's just not enough um, information or matches yet, I think, for me to have kind of a full picture of what her talent looks like. And it's hard for me to figure out, you know, again, if she's as good as some of these performances this week, if she's even better. Um, so I think that I need to go back and do some more work. But again, based on how she looked this week, I mean, I, I think that you have to be really optimistic about her chances and she continues to look stronger and stronger after coming back. Hmm. All right. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into the week ahead. Uh, now, normally this is the part where I talk about, you know, historical winners and stuff and try to set a little context for what we're looking. But it turns out this tournament in Lyon has never been played before. So I was looking on the WTA website, and I thought this would be fun. They had this article, you know, instead of talking about tennis, it's uh, six facts about Lyon. So the first trivia question for you guys about Lyon. Over, under, 10 Michelin star restaurants in Lyon, France. Over. Over. Always to go with the over. Correct. 14. And wow. they have more than 1,500 eateries and some smaller eateries they call bouchons. Isn't that fun? <laughs> <laughs> they have a 21-ton fountain that was designed by the guy who made the Statue of Liberty. That's pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's really cool. They have... Um, the most successful women's team in Europe, apparently. Snize, is that something that you knew? I know that you're a big Yeah, I knew that. Fan. They usually take home the Champions Leagues. They're, they're really good. Uh, cinematography, uh, some brothers called the Lumiere brothers. I should probably know who they were, but apparently they're very famous. Um, let's see, what, what else do we have? They have some sort of festival of light. and What is this? Uh, the Basilica of Notre Dame. Anyway, so a little, some facts about Lyon, some stuff that the folks at WTA thought you really needed to know. Um, and I know our buddy Steve is going to love those last two minutes. Um, <laughs> let's jump into the draw. Um, we'll go quarter by quarter. Uh, first up we have here in the one seed, Sophia Kennan. Um, looking down here, uh, Océane Dodin, the local French woman, uh, Burrell as well, um, and Teichman. So um, looks like a pretty easy quarter for Kennan. As you look in the outright markets, she is the clear favorite to win this tournament at plus 250. Um, and anytime I see a favorite that small in a WTA event, I start to roll my eyes a little bit. But what do you think, Spread? I mean, you look at this quarter, you look at her draw. I think she is clearly the favorite, but do you think that price makes any sense to you? 
I'm not going to get involved. I think it's too short. I'm not. I'm actually thinking that the post slam hangover was real. You know, I kind of discounted it before, but boy, that must be so exciting for a young player. And then to get back out here, you know, obviously she's struggling. Um, you know, not to, with the uh, updated media demands, uh, attention, all these things. You know, they weigh into a young player that. You know, she must be really excited, too. So there's also the emotional dump. Um, you're right, though. This is a quite easy draw. Um, but regardless, and it's funny because, you know, filling out the draw, I didn't really know who I thought would take her out. Um, you know, so when I filled out the draw, I actually, you know, put her as the champ. But I, I don't know if I really believe that. I just don't know if I can figure out which one of these players is going to kind of rise up and, and beat her because... Uh, you're right. She's got a really nice first two matches here. Um, but I'm not really too excited from backing her from outright perspective. What are you guys looking at here? Yeah, we're on indoor hard, so you, you want to look for somebody who has a big server. Um, I thought it was indoor. Wikipedia is yeah, telling it's, me it's, it's indoor. Yeah, it's supposedly indoor. It's indoor it hard. So that'll be better yeah. for the servers and well, stuff. My, my what's it called sucks because I looked this up last night and I thought it was outdoors. Oh. Hold on. Let me pull this again. But go ahead. Why, why don't we'll you jump ahead, in, guys. nice? While he double checks, um, you know what I was trying to say. Basically, oh, yeah, it you, is. you look for a big hitter. You look for a big server. I don't know if I see one here, but do you, nice? Uh, yeah. I think that first of all, just let's get get into that that cannon point about her quarter. Her quarter indeed looks very exploitable, very weak. Uh, but when you see plus two fifty. Uh, as the favorite in uh, in a WTA tournament, you always got to raise eyebrows. That that is not how it usually works out. Uh, and considering that the post slam hangover is real, we have a very very close example to compare her to, which is the former world number one Naomi Osaka, who completely fell off the map after winning the Australian Open in January. She was just on a terrible losing streak uh, all the way up until summer, really. Uh, where she really struggled with the weight of expectation and the, you know, the added attention and everything that spread brought up there. Uh, and I didn't think that this would apply to Kenan because she just seems such a beast mentally, but obviously she's young, she's excited, and it's just tough getting back to the grind uh, of playing 250s, so like 280s, uh, and uh, premiers and all of that after, after that kind of success. Um, so I do think, I'm not exactly sure who takes her out in that kind of quarter section. Maybe it's Vitalia Diachenko, dangerous player outdoors, she, indoors. She has the power. She took a set off Sakari uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, Should have really won that match. So she is a dangerous player on her day. Uh, could happen in the very first round. Uh, but I actually looked at uh, this, this kind of draw here, this top half. And I think it sets up really nicely for a player that is... Uh, known for her prowess on the faster courts, and that is Alison van Oitwank. Uh, this looks like a very, very good draw for her. The big seed in her second quarter is Caroline Garcia, who we all know is completely out, out of any kind of outright discussion until she fires her father as a coach. She is not playing good tennis at all. And if we look at it, we got Magdalena Fresh, Victoria Tomova, Kostyuk, Bonaventure, and Min, and really no huge names there with the kind of indoors prowess that Van Oitvang has. So I think that she could quite easily get to the semifinals there. And uh, who knows, she may not meet Ken in there, but even if she does, uh, she has a good chance there. So I think that uh, perhaps not in the first quarter, but in the first, uh, in the first half, I think uh, Van Oitvang is, is the woman to look out for. 
Yeah, jumping into that second quarter, that was the name that I had circled as well. I'm looking at some outright prices. I just have Bovada open right now. She's 8-1. to one, um, And this this is the kind of tournament she really does well in. Um, you know, she hasn't had the best start to the year, but played a little better tennis in her last appearance, I thought. And, and this is just a perfect setup for her. Um, the draw opens up really nicely, like you said. Maybe she gets Garcia. Maybe she gets Bonaventure. Maybe she plays her girlfriend, Menon. Um, but I think she, she gets definitely through this quarter. And, um, you know, like we talked about, that's the player that has a chance to kind of serve through Sophia Cannon. Now, we won't get quarter prices, unfortunately, but if you do have them, maybe Bet365 will put them up for a couple hours at some point. That AVU quarter price might not be a bad look, but Spread, what are you seeing here in the second quarter? Are you on board with AVU or are you seeing something else? No, I totally like your guys' look here. Um, I, boy, I mean, we talked about a nice quarter, right? I think that this quarter is even nicer than the one that Kenan got. Um, and I think there is kind of like a golf here. And maybe we'll have time to get into it. I think a lot of that has to do with the Indian Wells Challenger going on and, and a lot of the top players being out there. But I think this is a great quarter for her, you know. And you know that I'm going to be on the Faith Carol Garcia train. So, um, yeah, I kind of agree with everything that Snide says. So, But would I be surprised to see one of these younger players that I'm not as familiar with uh, emerge? No, not really. But I really do think it's AVU's to take. And, from an outright perspective, I think that she's got much more value than Kennan. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I even got, actually had to got some price there. Uh, if you do have, uh, I know that is available in some American states. I know Noobs now has access to Unibet actually posting Van Oetvank at 11 to 1. So oh, that's wow. a fantastic price, and I jumped on that. Uh, so that that's my look there from, from top half, from an outright. Love yeah, that price. I'm going to go scoop that up right now. I like that a lot. Um, what are you doing from a staking perspective there, Snice? I'm doing the, the regular. I use a, a 1 to a 5 unit scale, so I'm doing 1 unit on that, which is what I usually do on, on most of my futures. So, yeah, what do you call it? Standard standard small wager there, or standard future wager uh, on, on AVU. Yeah, I like that price a lot. I might even go a full unit there, maybe a half. So we'll see how that goes. All right, so we all like AVU in the top half. We think she has a chance not only to get through, but maybe even challenge Cannon and win that match. But sets up really nicely from her. Going down into the bottom half of that third quarter spread, we've got your girl Dasha. We've got Cornet. Camilla Georgie's in here. Vera Lapko's playing tennis again. That's a name I haven't seen in quite some time. What do you think in spread? Does Dasha have a chance to uh, make it to the semifinals? I was so happy when I started filling out my draw and she did not draw a top 20 player in the first round because I think that actually her tennis has gotten a little better this year. She's had terrible draws. Uh, she's got Parmientier in the first round. Um, you know, even though it's indoors, it's going to be a little tougher for her. I, I swear that Wikipedia ch changed on me yesterday. I swore it said outdoor yesterday. But regardless, because uh, I'm going to have to change this a little bit when filling it out. Yeah, I think it's she's got a great draw. Um, of course, you have the uh, potential Camilla Georgie red line here, and, and indoors is going to be great for her. And then Cornet, who, um, you know, I think that that's a great matchup for Dasha because I think at this point in their careers, Dasha does everything just a little bit better. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she couldn't get past Babos, but boy, this is the best draw she's had in a while. I'm really glad she's in this tournament because I think this could be a chance for her to get her season back on track. Yeah, the draw does open up nicely for her. I have her winning this quarter. Um, you know, looking again at, at some of the other names, Cornet may be at home. You know, if she's able to serve well all week, but I don't feel great about that. 
Um, Camilla Georgie could redline for like three or four matches and, and maybe cause some trouble. But um, Dasha has a, has a pretty good chance here. What do you see, Snice? Anything you like in the third quarter? Yeah, I have to have to chime in here, and I, I think actually that Dasha does appeal now. Uh, she obviously fell off a cliff completely in 2019, played some terrible tennis, was in a really dark place, but I think she started uh, 2020 pretty brightly. She's played really good tennis, even against uh, some really top quality names. I mean, she's competed with... Uh, uh, Garbinia Muguruza, who we know is on a, an absolute tear this season, uh, back together with Conchita, uh, and uh, I think uh, she's in a, in a better place, both uh, both you know mentally and 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 with her game. So I think that uh, this quarter, uh, this third quarter, uh, opens up pretty nicely for her. As <laughs> spread said, no top twenty player this time. The only real threat here is uh, the red line, uh, the red lane Jordi but I don't really think we can expect to see that. And, I mean, if, if it does happen, well, kudos to her. Uh, but I do, do love Dasha's chances to, uh, to get through this quarter. Now, we like her to get through the quarter. Outright, I'm seeing, like, 9-1. to one. Let me just double-check what Bovada has. See I see 14-1. to one. It's a 14-1. Mm -hmm. There's a 12-1. to one. Where do you got 14-1? to one? Is that Bookmaker? Oh, I was going off Odds Portal. Oh, Bookmaker doesn't Odds have Odds up yet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me yeah, check as I'm, dimes. Yeah, yeah as, dimes, I'm, as I'm based in Europe, we, we do actually have the, the outrights up much earlier uh, than you guys, unfortunately, <laughs> sorry to say. Uh, but I can confirm that Dash is available in in the region between 10 to 1 and 14 to 1, so that's probably where it should be landing. I actually do favor her chances to, to go far and win this tournament, so I got on her at 14 to 1. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I just really like what the tennis that I've seen from her. Uh, in 2020 as opposed to 2019. I think she's trending upwards. Uh, she is very, very solid. She's a tricky opponent uh, for a lot of these, these women to face. Uh, and the draw is opening up really well for her. I mean, if you go down and look at the fourth quarter, there's really nothing that intimidates me down there. The number two seed is Kristina uh, Mladenovic, but she hasn't looked good at all in singles uh, in the entirety of 2020. Uh, so I think that Dasha has a great chance to to come through this this entire lower section and uh, reach the final and uh, perhaps win it all. Yeah, I, I like that look. I'm gonna stay away just a little bit. I don't know that if um, I don't know that her game necessarily is perfect for these scenarios. And you're right, she has played some nice tennis, but I think I'm gonna back off from that. Now looking into the fourth quarter, we've got Kiki Medenovic, um, we've got Kuzmova here. You know, this would be a place where if she was. You know, playing nice tennis, hitting the serves that we all know she can. She would have a chance to be competitive here. But I actually kind of like her first-round opponent, Bedosa uh, Hiber. Um, we haven't seen her in quite some time. But you start to look through, you've got Anna Bogdan in here, Anna Lena Friedsam. I think this is just another quarter, you know, kind of the theme, really, of this tournament. You know, outside of the top quarter with Sophia Kennan and maybe Van Uvank in the second, the, the rest of it seems kind of wide open to me. And um, what do you think, Spread? How do you feel about the, the bottom half here? You, had, you hit it right on the head. I think this is another rehab quarter um, for a player who's shown fantastic form before and is currently struggling, and that's Kiki Mladenovic, right? I mean, uh, Piquet, her countryman, I actually think that if she didn't draw Kiki, she could have made a little bit of noise here, but I think it's a tough matchup, especially with their familiarity. And, um, you know, Kuzmova is one that we're not really ex – we're excited on her overall, but, you know, really been disappointed in her form to end last year and – that's kind of carried over to this year. So, you know, that makes the opposite seed of her 
um, fairly beatable as well. Um, you know, we've we've had our differences on on Anna Bogdan, and, and um, you know I, that could be a tough second round match if she's able to get past Gabert, which I don't even know. I almost think that uh, you're right. She might in this current form, she might not even in make it out of that match. But yeah, I think it's a great rehab quarter for Kiki. And as weird as this draw is, we could have if the if these players show up and really play, we could have a really nice some, some really nice semifinals here. So I'd love personally as a fan, uh, not a better, but I'd love to see uh, Kasikina and Ladenovic uh, meet there in the uh, in the semis because I think it would be really exciting for both players to get back on track and they have a great opportunity to do it here. You go ahead, Snice. Why don't you jump in? Anything else to add? Uh, yeah, no, I have to agree with uh, with what Spread said there. I think it it could well end up being a, a rehab quarter for Mladenovic, and I do agree that uh, Pocket was a name that I had circled that could make some noise, uh, and she could still make some noise because I mean, Mladenovic just has not been good whatsoever in singles. She's played well in doubles, but has not translated to singles at all, which has kind of been uh, the theme for for quite some time. Actually, we've expected her to make make an emergence in singles for quite some time after her all of her doubles exploits but it just hasn't really materialized uh and kuzmova to me she's just too inconsistent uh and can just completely go missing uh and um i mean if we look at her form not impressive at all and uh, as noob said uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit later i do like uh, but those are chances to take her down in for a very first round there so uh yeah to me Third quarter is the place to be. I think Dasha does clean up this this half and uh, and makes a run. Excellent. All right. So from an outright perspective for this tournament, again, we all like Van Uthank. You guys are both on Kasikina. Did I miss any other outright picks, guys? No. No. They... All right. Let's jump into the first round matches. We've got prices for just about everything at this point. They just finished up qualifying, so I don't see the qualifiers placed, but... We'll start with Anna Bogdan, minus 156 against Martin Kova, plus 125. Um, kind of an interesting line there. I think that's actually a lot of respect for Martin Kova. Bogdan had been playing some nice tennis. What do you, what are you seeing here, Snice? Yeah, this had me raising a couple of eyebrows. Uh, I think Martinkova is actually a bit underestimated. She is a hardcore player. She's a player that a lot of people don't exactly have uh, that much of a handle on. That's probably why uh, you, you'd be surprised to see her line this closely with Anna Bogdan, uh, who we all know. Uh, but I do think that Bogdan is rightfully favored. Uh, she has the kind of power required to, uh, to do well in the indoor hard court. Uh, but the question is always which Bogdan she throws up. Uh, I did consider uh, backing her because I do I do favor her in this matchup, but price just did not match up. I just had it as a very slight favorite, uh, but she's being priced more aggressively than that down towards the minus 150 region. So I just stayed off here, but I think Bogdan does pull it out. Yeah, the market uh, went after Bogdan early. She opened minus 135, got all the way out to like minus 160, and now has settled back around minus 150. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, and I think Snyder made a perfect point because right originally I jumped at Bogdan. And then I said, you know what? At this point, you know, you're not really qualified to ca handicap this match because I'm not 
as familiar with Martin Kova's game as you know I probably should be doing a WTA podcast, but she's kind of burst onto the scene and, and she has some potential, but I haven't seen much of her. And I think that this is one of the cases, you know, Jorge talks about not being afraid of market moves. I think if you did like Martin Kova, I wouldn't be afraid of it because I think a lot of, um, you know, bettors like me are familiar with Bogdan. We've had success uh, betting her in these small international tournaments, right? So we're calling on that, and we're not familiar with Martin Kova, and I I think she could be overlooked here. So I can't bet it. Uh, I'm pleading ignorance on on the strengths and weaknesses of Martin Kova um, because I did the same thing. I looked at Bogdan at at a short price, uh, being what I consider to be, you know, a 280 warrior, right? This is where Bogdan shines. It's, it's taking care of these weaker fields. And then I realized that I don't have enough of a handle on Martin Kova's game um, to, to fairly make that assessment. So what do you think? Because, see, this is where you have an advantage. You don't need to see every player because you have such a good, great numerical database. Um, Do the numbers support taking Martin Kova here, Noops? No, they don't. Um, let me just double check. Um, you know, Looking at it, I mean, Bogdan's... Hold and return numbers have looked pretty solid, especially for this year. Let me actually take it back to last year because, again, we only have a couple months, not a ton of matches. But, um, no, there, there isn't a ton nice to say about Martin Kova. I mean, again, she's a solid player. Um, I'm curious to see what total they hang here. Usually they hang really low totals for Bogdan matches, but this could be actually a, a decent little overspot. Um, I'm seeing 20.5. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I might look at, at the over there. Um, that's pretty close to you know being being some actual real value, but um, yeah, the, the money line I think makes sense to me. All right, Teichman minus two fifty six against Burrell again. Burrell, the local French wild card, but um, should be a good spot for Teichman. I think she's deserving to be the favorite. Maybe not all the way out to minus two fifty six. But what do you think, spread? Yeah, uh, she should be the favorite, and I probably won't bet it, but I think this price is too high. Um, if you do play this match, you have to play the dog here. Uh, another one of the Jorge specials, don't take the plus games, just grab the plus 200, and, and you know, that's going to be much more profitable in the long term. Personally, I'm not getting involved. I do believe that Teichman is too solid uh, for Burrell, but uh, they definitely priced it that way, and my guess would be that there's not a lot of people just laying the 250. I'm guessing that there's a lot of Teichman liability in the parlays, and that's why we're getting this number, because um, it does seem a little high to me. What are you seeing, Snice? Yeah, much has been said uh, from the, the people that follow, uh, the younger generation of people that follow ITF about Clara Burrell. She's sort of been talked up as the new next young French starlet. Uh, but uh, I, will, I will yet have to see that, you know, on, on the WTA tour, uh, make a little breakthrough run before I... Uh, I get involved with her matches, so this one for me is one that I would expect Gilbert and Teichmann, which has been improving since last year, to to get through. Uh, but I won't bet it because uh, this is really you either to me you either bank on a breakout run for a young star or you stay away, and that's one of these matches to me. I'm just going to be staying away. I'm going to be watching a little bit more of the Burrell game, and uh, yeah. And Joseph good tennis, hopefully. It'd been fun if they were able to get Burrell in a different matchup. Teichman is the player, is not the kind of player that you know really beats herself. Um, she makes you work really hard and, and win all your points. And you know, that's maybe not necessarily the best situation for kind of an upset, but um, definitely be a fun match to watch. I like both young players. 
Um, Kasatkina minus 625 against Pauline Parmentier, um, who is still playing women's tennis professionally. Good for her. Um, do you guys have any angles or thoughts on this? No, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even uh, take the plus games with Parmentier. I think <laughs> five and a half is too much, but um, I don't want to get involved in this match at all. They basically price this so that there's no good bets, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, uh, this is. I mean, if you just look at the latest match, she Parmentier lost to 17-year-old player. I don't even know who she is actually. Salma Jubri out of France, uh, 17 years old, ranked. 727 on the on on the tour uh she lost that in straight sets as the minus infinity favorite uh so that that is <laughs> that's very that's very concerning uh parmentier has looked i mean kind of done for 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 quite a long time in my opinion uh even so that price does look big on her but it's definitely not enticing enough for me to buy it i will stay very far away from this match and just hope that uh, that the outright dasha comes through yeah, this would be a good spot, again, from a total perspective. Uh, maybe I'll just pull these up, frankly, because I keep talking about them. Um, this is probably a great under spot. Um, th th there's actually even a chance if this does go three sets, you could get the glorious three-set under. Although it looks like they, they've caught on yeah, to that Yeah, I don't think idea. so. Not at 19 yeah, and a half. 19 and a half. <laughs> it's a juicy 19 and a half. All right, fine. Yeah. Stupid books. Uh, six, six, love. Oh, six, six, love. The dream. It's possible. Yeah. The triple bagel. All right, so I'm going to start with you on this one. Kennan's minus 370 against Dietchenko plus 274. Um, you had some nice words about the underdog earlier. Does this price appeal to you? It definitely does. We've discussed uh, about Kennan's uh, post-AO hangover, which is definitely a thing. Uh, she rolls up in a tournament, smaller tournament at 280. She is certainly expected to win, but will she? I, I don't know. Uh, Vitalia Dietchenko... Uh, showed a lot of good tennis uh, last time out when she was playing. Uh, took a set off Sakari, as I mentioned, in St. Petersburg. Uh, really should have won that match. Was up, I think, 3-0 in 5-2 serving for it. Was, it was an absolutely outrageous collapse anyway uh, from her. And she really should have won that matchup. She hits the ball super hard off of both wings. And she has all the kind of power that you would need to hit through Kenneth's defenses. And uh, she is the type, uh, I've looked this up, she has not been a top 50 player when she doesn't win the first set. Because uh, I was initially leaning the plus one and a half sets because I think she does have at least a set in her. Uh, but then after that filtering through my database, uh, I found out it's probably going to have to be a quick start overwhelm Kenan who is still on a bit of a low take the first set and then we'll see what what happens from there so that's exactly what i did i went with the achenko first set money line at plus 230 i do think that she'll start strong uh, maybe overwhelm ken in a little bit with her power uh and then well i mean hopefully for our our futures take her out the ha i have actually faced before on a fast surface 2018 wimbledon diachenko won in straight sets uh obviously kenan has improved by leaps and bounds since uh, but that is something to keep in mind. So I do think that Diachenko may be able to uh, to grab the first set here. I love the way you break down that angle. Um, you're one of the few people I know that attacks that first set money line. Um, Ace talks about it from time to time, but it's not something I ever look into and probably should. What do you think about that spread? Do you like that angle? 
Yeah, it's great. You know, kind of, you know, translate the NBA. Sometimes it's better to take the dogs in the first half because they can't do it the whole match. I kind of agree here. I think that he's got a great look. And I think price-wise, I mean, this is Diachenko or no play. And I know I'll go against Jorge here. But I think the plus five games looks appealing. If I were to play this match, and I probably will, I'll put half of it on um, the plus five and then half of it on the two, plus 270 with the idea that I think that she will, um, you know, I think that she'll cover my stake on, on the little money line push because I'm seeing a plus 270 there. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and I just think it's a great matchup for her, uh, especially as, as I said, going against Kennan, who um, we're not exactly sure how she's dealing with all this pressure. And obviously, I mean, she's going to be the star of this tournament, right? Um, so the added pressure, the added media obligations, you know, these take a toll on the young player. Great spot for Diachenko. That's nice. Did he just call you Jorge? I think he did. I think he did. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, Fred. You're an old guy. Just in your next issue of AARP, go through and see if there's any, um, you know, things about mental health that you can look into. But um, just wanted to point that out. I didn't know if I was going crazy or not. Thank you. I'm sorry. Accept my apologies, please. Now, Snice blew, oh, it's all right. Snice blew the lead on this one a little bit. Uh, Bedosa, a small dog to Kuzmova, plus 106. Uh, Kuzmova minus 133. Um, I think I will actually. I love doing this when Jorge's not around. I think he's actually already bet on Bedosa, so I'll, I'll give out that Jorge pick. Um, now, Spread, what do you think? I like Bedosa too, so uh, that's three votes for Bedosa. Do we have a fourth? No, and that's probably good, right? Because the consensus always isn't always the best play. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to go against you, though. I'm definitely not playing Kuzmova. Um, I think that she hasn't been playing well, and I don't think you can back her as a favorite in any form. Uh, I'd only be interested in getting involved in one of her matches if, number one, I saw her play well, and number two, I'm getting plus money because I definitely don't trust her as a favorite. Uh, I think that if Bedoza – I mean, the match will be on Kuzmova's racket, and if she improves her form, she wins. And the idea that that she probably could, and like you said, this is going to be a great surface for her with her, it being quicker, um, you know, obviously gives her a great – a great opportunity here to really turn things around. And that's kind of, I think, going to be the theme of some of these smaller tournaments is get-right spots for some of uh, these struggling players. But, no, I can't back Kuzmova right now. But um, just off the matchup, I don't want to go Gobert because I think even Kuzmova playing 80 to 90% of her best tennis can win this. All right. Um you know, it's nice. Earlier you talked about, you know, what you kind of don't like about Kuzmova. Um, maybe to ask you the other side of the question, you know, what makes you confident about, about Bedosa? What do you like about her game in general? And is indoor hardcourts a good place for her? Yeah, I, as opposed to many other Spaniards, she's not really the grinding type. She's actually a very attacking player. She has a very powerful serve. Uh, which gets her a lot of free points, which is rare on the WTA Tour. And so her game is actually more suited uh, to faster surfaces, I would say, because she really has that power to, to completely overwhelm her opponents, while defense isn't really her strongest suit. Uh, and as Spread said, Kuzmova backing her as a favorite really is not appealing. Uh, i just running through my database here. In her last... Uh, one, two, three, four. In her last five matches, as the betting favorite against the top 100 fav uh, top 100 players, sorry, she's lost all of them. Uh, only one, she even managed to take a set. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, she usually surrenders quite meekly. She has not been in form. If we take out the Fed Cup struggle 
to get over Harriet Dart in three sets. She's one and three on the year. Got blown to bits by Goff. Got blown to bits by Mertens. Got blown to bits by Gerges. Got blown to bits by Dodin. Did not even get more than three games in any set uh, in those matches there. So terrible form. Uh, Bedosa has the power to un. Uh, to unarm her and uh, i don't think she should be the underdog here so i actually even doubled down i got the plus 105 money line and i got the plus 232 nil straight sets victory i like that those are really good angles now dangerous spot here camilla georgia big favorite minus 300 vera lapko plus 233 spread what do you think is it uh time to fade georgie at, at minus 300 i'm not going to i'm not getting involved in this match at all right i mean is there a reason to bet on a Georgie match <laughs> unless we already know her form? Uh, she's completely unpredictable. Um, Curios-esque, I'd say, in that way, where I don't want to get involved. I'd love to hear what you guys think, though, because I could be talked into fading her, but definitely don't want to bet on her. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. It's a, it's a fade or pass for me. What do you think, nice? Yeah, I definitely have to chime in on that. Just for some context here, if we look at Camilla Georgie, uh, she has lost uh, a couple of first round matches. She's super unpredictable, uh, and you just we just don't know her form. But I, I to just to pick a little bone here. Uh, when she has been the sub minus two hundred favorite in the first round uh, of a tournament, she's twenty eight and six career nine and one last ten. Uh, so she usually actually do, does get through these spots. Uh, but obviously the number holds no appeal whatsoever to me. So I do think Georgie gets through. I do think she does it quite easily. Uh, but there's just no value in the number because of how unpredictable she is. If she is uh, misfiring, she probably loses in straight sets. This is an ideal underspot, I would say. Because I think either Lapko gets destroyed or Georgie gets destroyed. I, I, there's really no in-between with her. So... Uh, might actually go ahead and add add the under. I'm not sure what the line is at, but uh, I under or no play for me. Yeah, that's an interesting look on the under. Georgie matches, um, you know, definitely have a history of going under. That's for sure. Um, my guess is they might have hung something in the neighborhood of like 21, 21 and a half. Um, they tend to go pretty high. It's just, I think, tough. We're not, not really knowing what Lapko's got. I mean, she has been playing some ITF tennis, made the semifinals, I think, last week. So... Um, we'll see. I think this maybe could be more interesting than the line gives us credit. Uh, Dodan minus 476 in front of the home crowd against Mandy Manila plus 338. Another massive favorite. Uh, does this price make sense to you, Snice? I think it does. Uh, I talked a little bit about Oziana Dodan on a periscope we had a few weeks ago back in Russia where I went against Joe Conta with her as the plus 150 underdog, I believe. Yeah. And she has this huge serve. She has a huge forehand. Uh, the typical sangha <laughs> build, build up to, to make reference to the male side or just a typical big smash hitter. Uh, quite weak in defense, backhand movement department, but this is indoor hardcore, so this will suit her game very well. Uh, and Mandy Manella, I mean... She's still fighting on. She's 30 years old now, 34 years old, sorry. Uh, I'm not impressed with what I've seen from her uh, this year. She's been playing some ITF tennis. She's lost to Good Goods in straight sets as uh, the minus infinity favorite. Good Goods was plus 220. Uh, she lost to fellow Swede Johanna Larsson uh, at the Australian Open qualifying in straight sets again as the favorite. And then she lost to fellow Swede again, Miriam Björklund, last week. 
uh, as well. And for Swedish tennis, is really not in a superb place right now, apart from Rebecca Peterson. Uh, these are players that are outside of the top 200. So for me, uh, to, for her to lose to them, that's that's quite alarming. So I don't think Manila is in a very good place right now. I think these courts suit Dodan. She's playing at home. She's playing indoors. Uh, so yeah, they have faced before. That's probably something that Georgia would laugh at. But I mean, Dodan is a pretty young player. So I do pay attention to it. They faced in 2016 on clay. Uh, and Dodan is what? She's born in 96. She's only 24 years old. And she won that in straight sets. So now four years older, Manella on decline. Uh, yeah, I do think it's a, it's a pretty comfortable victory here. So with the minus four and a half games things just north of minus 150 minus minus 147 something like that yeah now spread we've got another big favorite in this next match the kiki Medenovic minus 900 against chloe Piquet plus 561 um that was the sound of me rolling my eyes i don't know what to do with this price i'm not really sure anyone should be minus 900 ever but maybe least of all kiki Medenovic. what do you think spread yeah like 0.2 units on on Piquet, right <laughs> something crazy i mean it, it, the price is way too high. It's just absurd. It, I, and at that high price, it's not even like people were putting it in their parlay. You know, I mentioned the one earlier where I thought that, you know, the parlay piece, I think it was um, regardless. Uh, <laughs> I think you mentioned uh, Teichman or something for parlay. Yeah, where did that match go? Yeah, it was Teichman that I thought was in the parlays. But she's not even in it. Th thank you, Snize, and I got your name right, too, so... The memory is coming back here in my old age. These mental exercises are helping. No, the price is way too high. What has Kiki done to deserve this besides be a big name? So, I mean, maybe the local bettors are getting involved. I, I don't know. I mean, am I seeing something wrong here? Does she deserve to be minus six games against anyone at this point? Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, my, my, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, my uh, my numbers actually make uh, packet plus 470. So at the current number, I think she's like plus in the plus six hundred somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, so just based on the numbers, you should you should be betting. She has at least like an eighteen percent chance to win this match. So you, based on the numbers, you should be hitting packet for a little bit. That's probably what I'll do. Uh, but apart from that, absolutely no interest. Uh, Maleta and should cruise, but absolutely cannot be trusted to do so at this silly price. So it, it's definitely dog or pass. All right, so going back through again, um, we all liked Bedosa in that first round match. Um, I'm going to tail Snice. I, I love that idea of um, Diachenko first set money line against Kennan. Um, if she is going to win that match, I think you're right. She has to come out playing well early, and that's really the only way that happens. Um, let's see, what else? Was there any other first round matches you guys remember that we liked? I don't think there were. Martin Kova nope. bogged and over, maybe. Uh huh. And I was on. Uh... I'm on uh, the uh, Dodan spread. That's right. And perhaps a Georgie under, uh, but nothing nothing concrete apart from that. Yeah, they hung a juicy 20. I saw under 20, um, 1.83. So. Um, oh, actually, actually, we missed one. Uh, the the Caroline Garcia fade. Oh, that's right. Gretchen oh, yeah. Minen. I thought that was. Your I, that, I that, that price just popped up. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's obviously a play. A plus 105. Yeah, Greet yeah, Minen playing Garcia. Yeah, Minen plus 105. Keep fading, Caro. Fade with Caro, folks. <laughs> All right, 
let's jump back into Mexico. We've got an event in Monterrey. Um, last year's winner, actually two-time defending champion, Garbina Muguruza. Um, but more interestingly, Spread, do you know who won Monterrey in 2009? I'll give you a hint. She's a coach Vika these Azarenka? days. No, she's a coach these days. Flipkins? No, an actual coach. That's just a jokey coach. Oh, Bartoli? Very good. Bartoli? 2009. Marion Bartoli <laughs> beat Lee Na 6-4-6-3 in the final there. Um, kind of a fun draw. Alina Svitolina's back. She's the number one seed. She's in the first quarter with Sloane Stevens. And um, I guess it's just kind of a joke at this point. They're just really trying to mess with us. Um, <laughs> you got Leila Fernandez in the middle coming off her second place finisher. She's got a sponsor's exemption, which is nice. And then two qualifiers and um you know while i'll let you guys talk i'm going to pull up the list of qualifiers to see if there's anybody that really stuck out i don't think that there was um yeah i'm actually looking at them right now i mean maybe era Baran, maybe sharma i don't know um but nobody really on that list that i'm too excited about um spread what do you think um max bet sloan stevens outright no way <laughs> um i think this, <laughs> this is a minefield here I don't want to get involved with any of these players. Uh, Layla looked great. We talked about her earlier. The sponsor's exemption was because the fact that her qualifying match was actually scheduled chronologically before her final. So that was very kind of the tournament, and I think it was also proper. We don't need to discourage people not going far in tournaments so they can qualify for the next one. Um, but, boy, I don't want to get involved with any of these players. The Svitolina price is too short. I can't fade Sloan. You know, I actually did it um, – with in the first round last tournament, but uh, I knew that I liked Renata here. I, I can't do it. Navarro, I mean, maybe you guys can help me out. I, I'm struggling it to, I don't know if I've seen her play, so I can't do it this time. Um, completely staying away from this. What do you think, Snyze? Any, um, anything of interest in the first quarter, or um, do you have the same kind of violently negative reaction that Spread and I do? <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh... You just kind of you put you kind of put your head in a very dark place and you brood over life's most depressing questions. Then you ask <laughs> what 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 you've deserved to to be treated to this. This is an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, even even Sloane Stevens won't lose to Navarra, I think, who hasn't really done anything of note uh, at any high level of tennis, and she will be playing a country woman who she will look up to, uh, and she just just not have the game. Uh, to be able to trouble Stevens. So even Stevens, and that, that is saying something, even Stevens in current form should be able to get through that. Uh, Svitolina, yeah. I mean, what can you say? She's absolutely dumpstered here right now. Uh, there is a complete, complete guess whoever gets gets out of that. I mean, if uh, if I didn't fear potential fatigue from Leila Fernandez, I would have been slamming Fernandez here because this is another quarter where she could just make a dream run. Uh with, with, with kind of form the, the big seats are in, but at least total stay away from me. Second quarter, also kind of messy. You got Magdalene Nett. You know, maybe this is a good spot for her. We talked about her early in the year and how, um, you know, she generally performs well in some of these smaller events. Um, Roos is in the middle there. Uh, there's a trash can, I see. And then uh, Rebecca <laughs> Peterson, your, uh, your countrywoman, Snies. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what have you heard about Miss Peterson, her, her form? Because... This is a really attackable quarter if she's back to being the player that we loved so much at the end of last season. 
Yeah, and I've uh, got some Swedish inside information, Swedish intel uh, that suggests that Peterson is trending back to full fitness now. Uh, the reason she's been struggling early season was because, one, she had a viral illness that hit her actually in back in November last season. She didn't really get a good off-season. Uh, she then had an onset of back problems, which troubled her and forced her to withdraw and really struggle with her game uh, over over the Aussie summer. Uh, but now she has been able to practice for a few weeks. She's trending back to form. She's going to play Monterey. She's going to play Indian Wells. She's going to play Miami. Uh, but uh, Noobs mentioned this in, in the DMs that we kind of want to wait and see a little bit, see where her game is at first after this, after this layover here. Uh, so, yeah, I do think this is a very attackable quarter for uh, Magda Lynette. This is precisely the type of tournament that she would go ahead and clean up. Uh, the tiles she's won in her careers uh, are these type of tournaments. She won a uh, a smaller one. She won a, a 125,000 Ningbo WTA in China. I even it might be even be a challenger. Probably just a challenger. Uh, she won New York obviously last year, the Bronx. And then she won Hua Hin this year in an exploitable draw. This is another exploitable section for Magna Lynette, where she's kind of the best of the rest. Uh, and I do like her chances here. Uh, so definitely to me, that is that is the name to look out for in, in, the, in the top half, really. Because uh, we, we're not going to be expecting Stevens or Svetlina to turn up at these prices. One of them is not even going to make it past the quarterfinals. So definitely the value would lie with... Uh, with backing Lynette here, uh, yeah. to me. I like Lynette, and just to put a bow on, on the Peterson point, and what we really talked about was the idea of sort of compounding injuries, and it's really a great example. Like you said, she gets sick at the end of last season, can't train well all offseason. Then she has back issues, and a lot of back issues are really muscle deficiencies in other areas. They come from lack of training, lack of really being in shape. So um, that, that stuff really builds on it. So I, I want to see her play a few matches. You know, her outright price, I'm seeing her 18 to 1. You know, don't really feel spectacular about it, especially because she is in the same quarter as Lynette. Now, Lynette 12 to 1, is, is that value spread? Yeah, I think it's of the top half, I think it's the best. I actually don't like this tournament. I think that we could have wild results like we did last week uh, in Mexico where we have a final that we were completely unprepared for and we don't have to feel bad about failing to prognosticate it because it was just so uh, random and, and unexpected. But, boy, great field for Lynette. You know, she's built for these 280s. Uh, she's the 280 gatekeeper, and I think that she did really well. And... Uh, if Peterson isn't in top form, I think she's got a really nice path uh, here to the semis. Yeah, and I did actually go ahead and hit Lynette to answer the value question. I do think she is value. I got 13 to 1 over at yeah, our buddy's yeah. unibet there. So I did go yeah. ahead and bet her uh, for the outright. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to jump on board there with you guys. It's just kind of a messy week. And um, in a messy week, you look for you know steadier players and i think that's what messi means magda that's right now jumping into the third quarter the draw makers are taunting me they put three women that lost me outrights last week together wong Fan, <laughs> nina stoyanovic and marie buzkova with some zarina diaz we've got some venus williams in there three of the qualifiers all in the same quarter um you know my instinct is always i see buzkova i want to go buzkova what do you think spread I, she, I think she's got a tough first-round match. I like Diaz on hard court. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she wins. But I, for, in a field of this quality, I think that was really a tough uh, first-round match. Uh, Yafan Wong, love her potential. Don't love her current form. 
don't want to get involved. But hey, as the theme I mentioned earlier, would I be surprised if she made a run here? No. I mean, uh, I think she lost some points uh, from her showing last week, if I remember correctly. And, and so she's really got to get back on track here. Um, and then I know that you're big on Stojanovic. Uh, I'm not as high on her at this moment, but I do see the potential and I understand why you guys are. Um, Venus at this point is really uh, getting close to the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar place of her career where people who are just starting to watch tennis will never really understand how great she was um, seeing the form that we're getting right now. I, I don't necessarily think that she should retire. I'm not saying that, but it's just she's she's a shell of the player she was. Um, I'm not getting involved here. I think this is actually one of the toughest quarters of the tournament. Yeah, it's... Man, I keep going back to Buzkova over and over again, but uh, I'll keep thinking about that. Snice, what do you think? I think that Jorge would have said that Venus Williams should retire post-haste. Uh, he, he has no <laughs> doubt about her to be or not to be on tour. Uh, in this quarter, uh, I did actually... Uh, this is also a bit of a while, and we, we, there's, no really, there's not really any good names in qualifiers. So going to be weaker names, so three qualifiers in this quarter means it's a pretty exploitable section. Bruskova did not impress me last week. Uh, and like Spread said, it's an exceptionally tough first-round matchup to me against the junk-balling Serena Diaz, who's really going to force you to beat her. So that's going to be a very, very, very tricky one. Uh, so uh, I actually did go ahead and, and take a chance with Wang Yifan. She's not looked good whatsoever, but she did fail to defend her title in Acapulco. She needs to get going. And most of all, the price in, in, in a quarter with three qualifiers and no real exceptional name standing out I, I got it at 28 to 1 and i felt that hmm. at that number just had to give it a go like last week was uh we were given surprising finalists why wouldn't it be uh the same this week so uh, i went with i went with uh, wong there yeah i found a boost Kova 20 to 1 i'm gonna have to do that i just that's who i am as a person and i can't argue with that <laughs> i i just think that she got a tough first round compared to a lot of these other players yeah yeah, and uh, Zarina Diaz is is slowly approaching Kiki Burton's status in my life, so this is only appropriate. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go <laughs> just half a unit though on the tw on the twenty to one. Um, I just at some point she's got to snap into some form, and, and just she keeps getting these just beautiful draws. I mean, if Buzkova's in form, she just wipes the floor, I think, with this quarter. Um, but we just haven't seen that yet, so I'm gonna cross my fingers, hold my nose, and, and grab some of her at twenty to one. Um, and spread. Make sure you get over to five dimes. Lynette's 14 to 1 over there. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Fourth quarter. Victoria Azarenka, second place finisher last year. Uh, Potapova, Heather Watson off the title. Kim Kleisters, Joanna Conta. Um, man, this would be a fun quarter like four or five years ago. Um, <laughs> Azarenka comes back. First time we've seen her play tennis. Um, she has been, I think, in custody battles over one of her children, so a lot going on in her personal life. Um, Joe Conta has not played great tennis this year. Um, Kim Kleisters is going to play her second match in however many years, and um, just kind of another messy, hard-to-pick-apart to quarter for me. I mean, Vika is someone who can always get hot, and these courts are fast, and she's had success here in the past, so that's kind of the name that I had circled. But uh, Snyes, I know that you maybe felt a little differently. Uh, no, I actually do agree there. Um, 
this sets up beautifully for Vika Azarenka, last year's finalist. She's been in the custody battle, actually enrolled into Harvard Business School as well. So she has been kept busy outside of tennis, but she's usually a player when she comes back from an extended layoff. She comes in hot. She obviously, she, she's shown after coming back to tennis that she still has the level to uh, beat just about anyone. And Tamara Sidancic on a fast hard court, that is... Um, um, mm, not a very easy draw. <laughs> very, very ideal. easy draw. What do you th uh, so I do think that she has a, a good path here to uh, to go through. I was very disappointed with Anastasia Potapova last week. I had her circled there. I thought she was going to make a run uh, in Acapulco. Uh, but I do like Vika here. Uh, she did reach the finals. She loves the conditions. She is a great player. And I do think she will come back to tennis pretty hot. Uh, and I got... Uh, Again, uh, the market lines her about seven to one, eight to one, but our buddies at Unibet are giving us thirteen to one on Vika, so I got involved there. Yeah, I love that a lot. I was just noticing that again, the thirteen to one spread. What do you think? I love that on his first appearance, Snize has already joined uh, in on one of the common themes of the Networth Pod, and that's being disappointed in Potapova, right? Uh, <laughs> so much talent, and, and <laughs> she's so mercurial. It's just really hard to get a handle on her. And I'd say that about this whole quarter, right, because um, with Vika and Kleisters, right, we have two players, um, you know, with incredible resumes um, that have really showed the heights of tennis that I think that the rest of the draw will never reach in their whole career. Um, but they're older players and, and coming off um, really uh, – you know, interesting situations. Now with Kleisters, you know, we were so gearing up to fade her. And I'll tell you what, I actually didn't think she played that bad against Garbine. Um, so I'll be interested to see how she looks against Conta. I don't want anything to do with this quarter from a betting perspective. I really don't know what to make of both these players. In my draw, I have Azarenka winning it. Um, but the idea that I'm going to put money on it when her, her form and actually her mental state is so unknown. I mean... <clears throat> With everything she's been going through, I mean, would, it, would you put it past her that she just needs to get to Mexico for a week and enjoy some nice weather and have a good time? Um, so I, I don't want to get involved in this draw at all, but I think it's fascinating from a fan's perspective. It's a lot of unknowns, but I think, again, the price and, and the draw and you look at everything, if, if she comes out, is again, she should be fresh. Uh, you know, She's had some experience coming off kind of long. Um, breaks like this and generally starts pretty quickly so you know whatever her training routine seems to keep her pretty fresh um, and just again that price like the, and it's like Snice said you look at the nine to ones that you see a lot of places and that's okay but the 13 to one at Unibet is a really great number so I'm on board with that um, gentlemen anything else from an outright perspective again to recap just a little bit um, we've got Lynette you can find 13 to 1. You can find 14 to 1. I'm going to hold my nose and take a little boost. Kova, Snice, and I like Azarenka at 13 to 1. And I think I missed maybe one other. Um, maybe not. Lynette. No, I wasn't really too excited Wang about Yifan. Yeah, Wang Yifan. Wang Yifan. Yeah, Wang Yifan. There you go. Snice likes Wang Yifan. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into yeah. the. No, one, one second. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, just um, the last thing on the outright perspective is that I would. Uh, I would love to see uh, Venus Williams win it all, just to, just to see Corpe's <laughs> reaction. That's true. If there was ever an event where he's just going to go against her every single match, oh my God, qualifier. He's, he is. He's going to bet the qualifier. I think you're right. That's you great. That is, I want that too. I'd rather lose all my outrights and have Venus win the tournament. That'd be amazing. Uh, that, 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 that is the dream. 
Poor Jorge. He's, he's never going to miss a podcast ever again. We'd spent the whole time trolling him. <laughs> All right, let's get into the first round matches, starting with Vika Azarenka against Tamara Zidancic. Minus 192 for Azla, uh, plus 148 for Zidancic. Makes sense to me. I, I like Vika maybe as a parlay piece, but I'll probably stay away from this one. Um, spread, what do you think? I, I don't think you should get involved from this if you're trying to be a responsible better. I think you wait and you see how Vika's playing, and if she's playing well, then, you know, you miss the value, but I really think it's a crapshoot. I'm not trying to bet on this match. What do you think, Snize? I know that earlier in the morning you were talking, maybe thinking about Zidancic, but um, you and I kind of fleshed it out a little bit. Um, are you going to actually bet Vika? Uh, no, actually, I'm just going to pass. I think you misunderstood me. I was actually thinking about uh, betting Asarenka there as oh, a parlay piece. That's true. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, Sedansic. Yeah. Sedansic is certainly not someone I value highly on hard courts whatsoever. Yeah. I think she is uh, not good. She's uh, getting better frankly. this year. She is getting better, but I still yeah. think she is. she's not at the kind of level where yeah. that, you know, the layers make well, her. Well, when you're uh, so low, it's easy to get better, right? Mm, yeah, indeed. When you're, <laughs> when you're close to trash can territory, <laughs> who we will soon get into, then we'll... Uh, can only get better from there but no i'm just gonna pass on this and uh, hope my uh hope my future makes it through next up is a candidate for arguably the worst first round match of the year so far bondarenko <laughs> uh, is playing sarah sorabis tormo tormo's favored minus 167 and i can't possibly bet against her because bondarenko might actually be worse than she is this is i'm puzzled spread uh, as in between giggles did you have any uh, any positive thoughts for the people I, you know how you guys want to see Venus make a run? I'm not betting on this match, but I want to see Tormo make a run for the same reason. Uh, just to watch you guys melt down on the Paris that we do all week. So I don't think that a, a person who values their money um, should get involved in this match. But, I mean, if you like, say, like, blackjacks and, and slot machines, you know, go ahead and play a Tormo. Because uh, I think it's about the same expected return, 48% on your money. <laughs> Snice, anything to add? Uh, no, that that sounds about right. Spread really summed it up well. If if, if you value your money, uh, you might as well go, you know, throw in a fountain, make a wish instead of betting on this match. Uh, you, you just <laughs> shut shut down all of your five senses. You pretend this did not exist, and you own your life. Kim Kleisters, plus one thirty five against Joe Conta, minus one seventy two. Um, this is another match that could be really ugly. Um, Joe Conta has shown absolutely no form to start the season. We think that maybe she may be carrying some sort of injury or something from the offseason. Uh, Kim Kleister's again her second match um, after a several-year-long retirement. Um, but Snice, uh, you found an angle you liked. What do you think? I do. Uh, I've been pretty pretty uh, adamant about fading Joe Conta all season long, and I will continue to do so. Uh, even with Kim Kleister's returning from about eight years of retirement. Uh, Joe Conta shut her 2019 season down early because of a knee injury, and she has not looked right in 2020. It may well be that that injury is still lingering or hindering her in some way. Her tennis has not been impressive whatsoever. Uh, like I mentioned, she's lost all three of her matches in straight... No, ninth straight, sorry. She Strykova, uh, She took a set of Strykova, but she's lost all three of her matches... Uh, in pretty unimpressive fashion in straight sets. Uh, was against her with Dodan in St. Petersburg. Uh, one would think that she's more fit now, but you really don't know. Uh, and, Spread mentioned earlier, I'm actually... I was very, very impressed. I was blown away by how impressive Kim Kleischer's looked 
versus Garbinia Mugurusa, who was off the Australian Open final. She was an, on an absolute tear with the new partnership with Conchita Martinez. Kim Kleisch just came in there. She played some solid tennis. She was chasing balls down. She was hitting the line. She was smashing the forehand in the serve. And got Garbinia Mugurusa got absolutely shellacked. She got, she got afraid. Kim Kleisch is the full, former world number one. She still has that aura on court, that fear that she can instill in an opponent. And that's, that's something you cannot cap. That is just an added element, an added strength that so few have in tennis. And that is something that I, even though she might not have the legs or uh, might not have uh, the conditioning to compete with the very best she has that aura and i do think that she was playing about top 50 tennis and, and i don't think conta is playing about top 50 tennis right now i would have kim clash's favored over anyone that's not a fantastical or fantastic retriever or a mover uh, and conta is not that she's an aggressive baseliner that likes to dictate rallies and when the points are not played on her terms uh, she can get stressed she can unravel and this is a spot where kim clashes will be able to take the ball from her, out of her racket she will be able to enforce her aura upon the fragile brit who is known to struggle in these situations throughout her career uh, so I'm actually on board Kim Kleistis. I bet her money line. I got an even better price than the noobs listed there over at the European Bet365. Got plus 162. And uh, as we speak now, I'm actually going to be adding to that because I think if Kim Kleistis wins, I think she does so in straight sets. Uh, so I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, take a little bit of that as well. Right now I'm seeing uh, plus 275, but I think we might be able to get even better press than that. But uh, we'll, we'll be adding the straight sets. Yeah, the market is all over Kleister. She actually opened at plus 191 at Pinnacle. She's all the way down to plus 141. And that seems to be about the sticking price. It got down to plus 135, and then Conta started taking some money. Spread, anything to add on the handicap there? No, I think you did a perfect job. And just from a podcast perspective, you know, we're betters. It's more important for us to win money than to be right. So, you know, people can go back and clip pretty much all the offseason and everything where we were saying Kleister's had no chance. Um, but she proved us wrong. You know, obviously the movement is still below average for the WTA level, but the hitting is above average. And, and I think we'll see that today combined with the fact that Joe Conte is not 100% healthy. Uh, I, like, I, I put a bet on Kleister's as well. Fernandez off the championship, a small dog, plus 100 to Lauren Davis, minus 128. Um, I think there's a lot of good reasons maybe to stay away from this one, but what do you think, Spread? Yeah, I agree. I'm not getting involved. Um, I loved what I saw from Fernandez last week. I love the potential. Um, the fatigue is what worries me. It is a short trip, though, so that's why it's not a pure fatigue fade. Um, like we might normally do coming up with a young player coming off a long run and obviously the disappointment of getting so close and not able um, to win that title. Uh, but at the same time, if we see anything uh, close to the form of the tennis that we saw from Fernandez last week, even at top form Davis uh, can't play. So you got fatigue uh, versus form and I'm just not jumping in uh, unless Snyze makes a great argument. And if he does, I, I could be, uh, I could be uh, swayed on this match. Well, there was an angle on the total that we liked. Why don't you break it down for the people, Snice? 
Yeah, so uh, as we've discussed, Layla Fernandez really has an absolutely monster ceiling. She can go over like easily top 20, probably even higher. Uh, she has a beautiful multifaceted game. She will work you to the bone. You will have to fight to get points off her. She angles well. Uh, but this is a run. She was a qualifier in Acapulco, 17 years of age, made a run all the way to the final, played a brutal uh, three setters with almost took three hours for header watch and she was complaining to her coach that she was tired in the first set that's probably just in the moment thing but the physical and emotional fatigue of a 17 year old coming through the disappointment of that finals loss and while she does have youthful energy how about her conditioning uh, usually with these younger players their conditioning is not up to par compared to a uh, uh, tour level professionals so she could well be running out of steam here if she could produce this the same kind of tennis she has she can probably blow lauren davis to bits because she hasn't played been playing well uh, or she could just completely succumb to the disappointment and the fatigue and lauren davis could roll so i actually like the under here and i stacked the under i like the under 21 and a half they made that about minus 114 so I went in a little bit heavier on that. I think that's way too high. Uh, it's very likely that we see straight sets either way, uh, or maybe even the famous free set under. Uh, mm -hmm. I went ahead and bet the under 19 and a half games at plus one four three, and I also went ahead and bet the under 17 and a half games at plus three twenty. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do think that this is going to be a freight train in either direction. Marie Buzkova, minus 139 against Diaz, plus 108. I've got the outrights. I think I'm going to stay away from the money line on this match. Um, what do you think, Spread? I like Diaz here. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but uh, as I told you before, I do kind of like her game on hard court. She's kind of funny with Snyder, and I talked to this earlier. The big serve that pushes in the rallies, you know, kind of a mix there. Um, but the reason I'm not getting involved is because of Buzkova, like I think I've used this before, but she plays 80% to her best tennis. She wins. Uh, but anything less than that, Diaz will go ahead and take advantage. So the price is too high for me to jump on the favorite. Price is too short for me to jump on the dog. I'm staying away. Anything to add? It's nice. No, I, I completely agree with spread there. This is to stay away for reasons mentioned. Now, your countrywoman, Rebecca Peterson, a small favorite, minus 135 against Katarina Kozlova, plus 108. I've got a lot of question marks about Peterson, but that is an awfully appealing number. What do you think, Snice? Yeah, I've been been lamenting and thinking about this all day, really, and I, I was I was considering just jumping on her, and then I had a conversation with you in the DMs, and that, that gave me reason to be uh, a bit more... Uh, a bit more uh, cautious about the approach there. I do think that if Pedersen turns up at anywhere near the level we saw towards the tail end of last season when she won two titles in, in China, she'll easily take care of Kozlova. Uh, but there is that question mark. We don't know how she's going to respond coming off a of viral illness and back injury. She hasn't been able to practice a whole lot uh, over the last few months, really. Uh, so I do think this is, is a wait-and-see spot. Uh, I think Peterson wins, but right now with all the question marks, it's just not enough value to, to get involved there. Any angles you like, uh, Spread? No, I mean, overall, you know, I think there's good tournaments for us to try and take advantage and make money on of, off of. I think this is a great tournament for us to just gather information. Uh, this is another match. Uh, Peterson, if she's healthy, rolls, but we can't know that for sure, so we don't get involved. Um, but I think that with her and, you know, a couple other women such as Kleister, Zabika, 
you know, we can uh, understand maybe a little bit of the form we can expect going forward in the season. So uh, definitely be watching, definitely not betting. Two big favorites. Again, we talked about how, um, frankly, disappointed we've been in Sloan Stevens and Alinas Fidelina. But Stevens minus 588 over Emma Navarro. Navarro almost plus 400. Svitolina minus 769. Kovinich plus 469. Spread, do, do you see any value in either of those dogs? No, you can't. I don't think you should get involved in either of those matches. Um, I, I think just for us to talk about these, I just like to hear what uh, Snyes thinks of Kovinich uh, overall because I'm kind of curious. And I, I sometimes I think she's good, and sometimes I don't. So I don't know what to make of her. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of have to agree there. She is uh, kind of a mixed bag that sometimes you do see some glimmer of potential and you think there may be something more. You think there may be some uh, some top 50 tennis in there. She has been within the top 50 before, uh, but it's just not enough, just not often enough. Uh, she lost to Katarina Bonarenko, which was, to me was really disappointing because Bonarenko is not a good player uh, and actually was on her in that match. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't think she has the game to take down Svitolina, even even the current Svitolina. Uh, I don't think there's value at any number, so you, you just kind of have to stay away. And the same goes for Navarro. She, As I mentioned earlier, she hasn't really had any success whatsoever, the 18-year-old, uh, at any big level. Uh, hasn't been able to take down any big names, make big runs uh, at the ITF. I don't see how that changes when matched up against Sloane Stevens. Uh, she lost to Francois Abanda in Rancho Santa Fe in straight sets uh, just last week, so that, that tells you a lot about where her level is at currently. So uh, Sloane should, for once, roll. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, last match we've got Heather Watson coming off the championship. She's minus 256 against Tatana Maria, who has had a pretty rough start to the year. Um, Snyes, what do you think? you see any angles in this one? No, this is also a stay away match for me because the aforementioned title, you don't really know how Heather Watson is going to react. This is her first title in four years. She's really been struggling with her game since when she was at her peak within the top 50. Uh, I think we can expect a disappointment. Heather Watson uh, usually is a player these days that shown uh, these glimmers of uh, of her ability, able ability to clean up uh, weaker fields, play some really consistent tennis and even push the best like she did in Hobart. She is looking on the upturn this season, uh, but in back-to-back -back weeks, I don't think we can expect much from her. That said, Tatiana Maria certainly hasn't been uh, raising any stocks either, so this is just a stay away for me. Spread, anything to add? Yeah, normally we would fade the fatigue spot here, but I think with the closeness of the tournaments, the fact that they're pretty much you know same time zone, same weather, uh, I don't think it has the same value that it normally does, so I'm completely staying away. All right, gentlemen, that is it. I don't think we have anything else to cover. Um, looking back, uh, the only first-round matches we liked in Monterey, maybe Azarenka as a parlay piece and under in Fernandez-Davis, uh, but everything else was kind of wait and see and, and maybe get a little better idea of some form. But that was everything I had to cover. Anything else, any questions or thoughts for the people from either of you gentlemen before we wrap yeah, I just wanted to add that we did we did indeed like Kleisters in the first round as well versus Joe Conta. That's true. I think the price might be gone on that one, though. I'm seeing plus 135. I, f I feel like I'll, at this point maybe people miss the boat. Or do you still like it at plus 135? 
I still do like it. I, I'm very adamant about fading Joe Conta until she shows form and anything that is a dog. And as I said, Kim Kleist is what I saw in uh, in uh, the uh, the match versus Muguruza. Anything that's not a super mobile player, anything that's not you know in the top 30 to 50 range uh, with that player archetype, I'm going to be having her as the favorite. That, that's how impressed I was and uh, with the R to boot. So I, I do think there's still value even in that number. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, Sny specifically, it's been really great to have you on the scopes and Stelia a little bit. We know that you do a lot of content for SBR, so check out Sny's at Sny's, S-N-I-Z-E, Master, on Twitter. You can find all of his stuff on Sportsbook Review, and we look forward to having you back again. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. We'd love a rating or review. Um, and reach out to us at NetworthPod on Twitter if you have any thoughts or questions. Good luck in all your wagers.